Welcome, everyone, to the Food, Farms, and Chefs radio show with restaurant industry author Kevin Wilson, highly acclaimed chef Gene Blum, and food photojournalist Amaris Pollock. Join them as they interview the biggest names in the restaurant industry, tell you about the latest food trends, and give you recipes and cooking tips, too. So let's get the show started. Welcome to our listeners around the world via the podcast, our listeners on our FM radio station in New York, and our two Philadelphia radio stations. It's Tuesday evening drive time for you. We have a fantastic episode today. We're going to start off by giving you information about a special partnership between Trogues Brewing and McGillan's Old Ale House. And then we will have our highly acclaimed chef, Gene Blum, giving you a great tutorial on how to make a certain alcohol. And we will end this great episode with a fantastic interview with owner Peter Disson of a fantastic restaurant called Pinefish. Amorous Pollock, introduce us to your fabulous guests. Hey, everyone. I want to just say happy Hanukkah, first off. And then secondly, I want to introduce all of you to Gabriella Gock, who is the manager of McGillan's Old Ale House, and also Matt Hassan, who is the, <clears throat> the sales manager of Trogue's Independent Brewing. Welcome to the show, guys. Hi, everyone. (laughs) That was in unison. (laughs) So um, I'm bringing you guys on because you have a huge event that's coming up on December 8th at McGillan's. And I wanted to just bring you on, let you talk about Gabby, talk about McGillan's, and, you know, Matt, talk about Trogues, and talk about what you guys are doing um, for for the event. Great. Thanks for having us on. Trogues and McGillan's have had a great partnership for many years, and we've actually, um, over the many years that we've worked together, have had um, Mad Elf holiday events at the bar, and this year we wanted to do it again and highlight some of our seasonal beers and partner with the Ronald McDonald House to help get some, uh, some toy donations. Now, um, what exactly, you know, are you looking for when people are going to come to this? This is December 8th, and what time does it start? Uh, so it's at 6 p.m., and we will uh, be tapping a bunch of beers, uh, including Mad Elf, which is our very popular holiday ale, um, as well as Mad Elf Grand Crew, Blizzard of Hops, and we'll also have uh, Sly Fox Brewing as well, supporting um the event they're another uh, great local brewery and they'll have their christmas ale and a few other fan favorites of theirs you were talking about um tapping mad elf and and whatnot if your um if your listeners aren't too familiar trogues is a um family-run brewery out of hershey pennsylvania and we started in 97 by chris and john trogner two brothers um but mad elf is one of our most popular beers we started doing that in 2002 uh, and for us at Trogues and a lot of our loyal fans, it's not the holidays until you crack into your first Mad Elf. So in order to help celebrate that, we're going to be at McGillan's uh, tapping the first keg. And I'm excited about that, too, because I uh, had Mad Elf actually over the, the Thanksgiving celebration. Uh, my friend and I were, were drinking it. And, I mean, you can really taste the cherry and the honey in that. Um, so, you know, if if you're somebody who is – new to beers or if you know you want to you know try something different 
you have a very good blend with that. Yeah, it's a, it's like a unique in a beer. <laughs> yeah, it's Christmas in a bottle, exactly. <laughs> now, um, Gabby, what other things can we look forward to at McGillan's on that night? Well, uh, pardon me? What else can we look forward to at McGillan's? Like, what other... Oh, we're we're going to have prizes and giveaways from uh, Trogue Brewing, Sly Fox Brewing, and McGillan's Old Owl House. If you bring a new unwrapped toy for children under five or teenagers specifically... You'll be entered um, into like a raffle drawing. Uh, we'll also have, like Matt said, several Christmas beers and blends on tap that night. Our chef is cooking up something special. Um, maybe a Mad Alpha wing sauce. Ooh. And um, we're going to do Irish bangers and mash using O'Reilly Stout, which is a, um, a brew by Sly Fox. That sounds wonderful. And, and a, a visit by Santa Claus. Oh, how fun! So, so is it is it a photo op a good, too? Good photo opportunity. <laughs> yeah. And um, so you know, obviously, this is a twenty-one and older kind of event, but you know, everybody loves to take photos with Santa. So <laughs> I'm sure that'll be fun. Do you guys are you bringing um, you know, things for us to wear so that we can you know sit in and look silly with Santa, or is this you know, let's be serious? I think everyone should dress in their own, you know, holiday attire, their favorite holiday attire. We encourage people to dress, you know, festively. Um, we, we have had a backdrop in the past and, you know, Santa and, and a Christmas beer in your hand. I think it's pretty festive. Of course. Um, now, Matt, what yes. is, because I know that you are going to tap something that's very, very special at McGillan's. So why don't you tell us a little about a, a little bit about what is special about this keg that you are tapping? Yeah, so I did mention Mad Elf, but also uh, tapping that night would be the first keg of Mad Elf Grand Crew, um, the first keg that we're tapping in the city. And that is a different variation of Mad Elf. Um, the main difference is we only use Balaton cherries uh, in that recipe, which are more of a sour variety of cherry. Okay, so the flavor is a little, little bit more intensified in cherry and then a little bit more tart than your traditional Mad Elf is. And I would say overall a little bit more nuanced in, in its flavor. Um, so it's definitely something unique, and I, I highly encourage people to, to try it out. Since many have had regular Mad Elf, but they have not had the Grand Cru. Now, the Grand Cru, what drew me, and I have not had that, uh, you know, like you said, I actually haven't had that either. Um, I think, doesn't it have, like, chocolate notes in it, too? Yeah, both the Mad Elf and the Grand Cru do. Uh, that's because we do use in the recipe a portion of chocolate malt. Sort of gives it sort of a, a chocolate undertone. Gotcha. Which pairs well with that sweetness uh, from the honey and cherries. Now, I know that um, both McGillan's and trogues have worked with different charities is this you know something we can look forward to during the holiday season with us you know donating to ronald mcdonald house or you know where else can we see a charitable you know place or donation or event at mcgillan's and with trogues uh, well, for Troke specifically, every holiday season, we're, we're trying to partner with uh, different charities such as Ronald McDonald House. Uh, now, other, um, other markets outside of Philadelphia might have their own events and partner with different local charities there. 
Uh, but we're always trying to support local causes uh, and communities and kind of give back. And this is the perfect time to do it, bring people together for the holiday season. Um, if we can tie together our holiday beers with a good cause, we're, we're going to try to do that. But for Philadelphia, this is the, uh, the, the main event for us as far as a um, uh, holiday event. And uh, Gabby, with the special the special menu items with the wing sauce and the um, the I forget what the other one was the uh, sausage the, I believe the Irish uh, bangers and mash bangers yeah. and mash yes are they Our chef Gordon <laughs> are they going to be available um, through the holidays or is that you know just for that night it's just special for that night okay the so. Night of the event. So for our listeners out there, not only is this a special event where you're going to be able to give back, you can also have a one-time chance of trying out these delicious menu items at McGillan's that are with Trogue's Beer and Sly Fox. So I'm excited to hear that. What else can we look forward to at McGillan's? Well, I'd also like to mention the night of the event, a special blend that um, we do with Trogue's. It's called Mad Dreams. And it's a blend of the Mad Elf and their Dreamweaver wheat, which nice. is always yes. a, a must-have. <laughs> I'll have to try that when I'm there. And yeah, uh, beer blending is pretty pretty unique. Uh, not many breweries are, are promoting actual blending of two different beers, uh, but we've found over the years that these two beers work together, and, and customers have really loved them. So Mad Dreams, come uh, come check it out. That is very exciting. And also, I'll mention. Sly Fox will also do, um, be doing a blend as well that night. It'll be a combination of their Sly Fox Christmas Ale and their O'Reilly Stout, and they're calling it O Christmas Tree. <laughs> <laughs> That's cute. <laughs> and um, I'm assuming that there's going to be giveaways from Sly Fox as well. Correct. Okay. Now, where can yeah. we... Oh, sorry. I was going to say for the giveaways, I mean, we're going to have things like, like glassware and koozies. Uh, bottle openers for anyone coming that night, and then we'll have some larger raffle items for those who donate a toy or, or are drinking our beers, things like hats and hoodies and T-shirts. Uh, we'll be raffling off those type of things throughout the night. That sounds like a lot of fun. You know what would be great is if we could have a karaoke night with uh, with Matt Elf. And... <laughs> Drink a few of those, and there's going to be some pretty good yeah. singing. And Santa Claus. Yeah, and Santa Claus. <laughs> Karaoke kicks off at 9 p.m. So. Nice. Oh, that's nice. Oh. If, you make it, if you make it through three hours of drinking Mad Elf and Sly Fox Christmas Al. <laughs> Maybe we can sing Karaoke Christmas. If you're still standing. <laughs> now, where can we find McGillan's online, Gabby? Uh, just McGillan's.com. And on social media? On Instagram at McGillan's Old Owl House, at Twitter at McGillan's. And on Facebook as well, McGillan's Old Owl House. Okay. And what is up next for McGillan's as far as events outside of December 8th? We do have an event with, uh, we partnered with Tito's as well. Um, we'll do Ugly Sweater Karaoke on Wednesday, December, I think the date is the 16th. And I think it's the 18th. I have to look at my calendar. I'm sorry. Um, and there will be every $1 from every Tito's cocktail during the month of December will also be donated to the Ronald McDonald House. Oh, that's perfect. And Matt, what else can we look forward to for Trogues? Uh, for the rest of the season? 
we will be doing a, a lot of other events uh, throughout the uh, Philadelphia five-county region. Um, I know we have an event at the Abbey upcoming, as well as uh, Teresa's Cafe in Wayne. Um, and we have a beer dinner at the Horse in Sellersville. We, you actually can, um, if you're looking outside of Philadelphia area as well, on our website, trogues.com, we have an events page. And you can go on there, you can click on the state or region that you live in, and you can see what events are happening around you that you want to check out over the next month. And that's perfect. And where can we find you, find you at Trogues online, um, on social media? Uh, all of the handles should be at Trogues Beer. All right. But first, we will all come come over to McGillan's Ale, Old Ale House and visit you and visit Gabby and visit Sly Fox for, you know, for the party on December 8th, starting at 6 p.m. And, you know, bring a toy, everyone. It's going to benefit the Ronald McDonald House in Philadelphia. It's a great cause, great food, amazing beers, and a wonderful atmosphere. So, Gabby and Matt, thank you for joining us on Food Farms and Chefs. Thanks for having Thanks us. Thanks for having us. Look forward to seeing you next week. <laughs> I know. I look forward to seeing you, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, can't wait to have a beer with you in person. Thank you so much. All right. Cheers, everyone. Cheers. Cheers. And just so our listeners know, we have a fabulous episode that we did live from McGillan's to talk about their great 160-year history. And you can go to your favorite podcast platform and look it up. But uh, it's a fantastic episode. Let's go to break, and we'll be right back. To become a sponsor of our show and have your business or event promoted on every single podcast platform, two Philadelphia radio stations on Tuesdays at 6 p.m. evening drive time, an FM station in New York, and to the millions of Facebook users worldwide with access to the Facebook mobile app. Send us an email to either foodfarmsandchefs at yahoo.com or diningonadime at yahoo.com. And we're back. Chef Gene, take it away. Well, good afternoon, everyone. So Christmas season brings many traditions. One of the more unique traditions in the Pennsylvania region is the making of specialty cocktails from different parts of Eastern Europe or such. Today, we're going to talk about one that is near and dear to my heart that uh, my father taught me and his father taught him, and that drink is called Boilo. It's a B-O-I-L-O, Boilo, which is often referred to as the champagne of the Pennsylvania coal region or sometimes referred to as the coal miner's cure for everything. And the reason they call it that is Boilo is filled with citrus and honey and cinnamon, and it's about 150 proof. So it's an absolutely fabulous drink, but it is a Christmas tradition in specifically Schuylkill County, Pennsylvania, and the surrounding coal region of Pennsylvania. Boilo is a really unique drink. Um, kind of has its roots to the Lithuanian population. Uh, it's based on a honey-based drink called Krupnik or Krupnikus that is from Lithuania. It's a honey-based uh, alcohol or honey-based warm toddy that would be drank. Originally, 
it was made with moonshine. Today, uh, I make it with Everclear, um, and I'm going to talk a little bit about how you make this. I make it with Everclear, so I use the 200 or the 198 proof. I don't use the 151 proof. I use the 198 proof. And the absolute cheapest whiskey you can get, which is a very unique thing because there's a company that makes that. It's out of New Jersey. Uh, Lord Beverage Company makes Four Queens. Four Queens is very inexpensive. It caught, it's 101 proof. But the most unique thing about this is the majority, and when I tell you majority, over 50% of the Four Queens produced in America is utilized in Schuylkill County from October till January to make Boilo. It is really still in business just for the production of Boilo. So a little bit about uh, how you make Boilo. Every family feels that they make the best Boilo. So every family has a little bit of a different take on it. But basically, uh, my family recipe, which has won some numerous awards, is a lot of honey. I start with nine pounds of honey, to be exact, for my batch. A lot of oranges and a lot of lemons, a lot of cinnamon stick, some allspice, some whole cloves, um, and then some caraway seed and a couple other things I put in it that I can't really talk about, <laughs> a little bit of water, and I boil that down for hours, like an hour and a half boil that down, get this really beautiful mixture. I then take that mixture and I strain everything out of it and I have this really wonderful brown elixir. And then I add equal parts of extremely cheap whiskey and the grain alcohol. I blend it together, I boil or I uh, blend it together, I bottle it, I label it, and that is my holiday giveaway to friends and family throughout the country. I give away four ounce bottles, eight ounce bottles. I even give away one or two bigger bottles of it to friends and family throughout the country. The way you consume Boilo, and I love this. I looked this up on Wikipedia the other day, just looking at that, and they talked about it. But the way you consume Boilo is you drink it warm. So you can heat it up in a little teapot. You can heat it up in the microwave a few seconds. You don't want to boil it because you don't want to lose the alcohol but you drink it warm. And when you consume it, you put it up to your nose, you get all that citrus and honey and cinnamon. It just clears your sinuses. You drink it. It goes down so smooth. You don't even know you're consuming alcohol. You want another. You might even want a third, and then you realize you can't walk. But I that's was, another story. All to I know. Itself. I'm, I'm going to jump in there because you actually had given me um, some as a gift at some point in time because you and I exchange alcohol every so often. And um, when when Jean says that it's potent, it is very potent. Although I have to say I knew I was I was drinking alcohol, but like mo mostly because I knew what what was in it. Um that it was alcohol but it, it knocks you on your butt if you're not ready like for it it like if you drink too much of it you you will get knocked on your butt and I'm somebody you know who who can usually drink like one or two glasses of something before I start feeling it um this was potent like moonshine but 
absolutely delicious, like with so much flavor. You know, it's definitely something where I just wanted to sip it and enjoy every, you know, every portion of it on my on my palate. Well, a little bit of indication about its potency. Looking through some of the history of Boilo and articles written about it and such, I found, a, uh, you know, a couple different things people referred to. And one of them was, you know, you certainly need a designated driver when you're drinking Boilo. <laughs> You'll never get a hangover, just a good deal of memory loss. <laughs> I thought that that was very, very true to Boilo. But one of my favorites happened to come from Wikipedia, where under the notes in Wikipedia, they listed to you attend Christmas Eve Mass prior to consuming. Christmas Day Mass is generally out of the question. Absolutely the truth. You won't have a hangover, but you'll probably still be slightly intoxicated. My favorite story of Boiler, my father would make this, and on Christmas Eve, he would take a teapot and a bottle or two of this and a couple shot glasses, and they would go house to house visiting friends. And I was a young kid. I didn't realize you know, what was going on. But they would go house to house, and I never understood until I got older why my brothers would always have to go and pick up my mom and dad when they home <laughs> and leave the car to, at one of the neighbors. But, you know, after two or three, it, it's all over with. But it's an absolutely fabulous, fabulous drink. So in Pennsylvania, in the Schuylkill County region of Pennsylvania, they are so into it that they have major competitions for boilo making. One of them, the biggest is called the um, Fleischenberger Boilo Competition. It is, you know, families compete. They bring, you know, really their pride because everybody feels they make the best. Everybody has a little bit of a different, you know, variation of it. Some places make like um, a apple Boilo, or the, you know, a caramel apple Boilo. Some will add some peach to it, anything like that. The purists, you don't like to go there. You know, we were very much into, you know, honey, cinnamon, you know, you can add a little bit of spices, but stay away from the rest of the fruits. Just go with the citrus that's there. One of the other great things I found on Wikipedia about this was, you know, the, the standard bar things, that you never garnish Boilo. There's no garnish. But I love the tradition of the coal mining region when they talked about your drinking glass and they said anything that will hold liquid. <laughs> and that's so true with the coal mining people. You know, they, I haven't had it in coffee cups. I've had it in tin cups. I've had it in shot glasses. I've had it in rocks glasses. I've had boil a lot of different ways. And it really says so much to the people who made this and, and where it comes from in that region. It, it's just an absolute, you know, fabulous, heritage rich, warm thing, you know. It just warms your body, your soul, wipes out your memory, but warms your you know, your mind as well in that it's so rich and it goes back to, you know, the Lithuanian, you know, countryside years ago with doing that. So as we get into this holiday season and there's so many variations, I'm gonna throw this out there. For people interested in making boilo, I will share a variation of my family recipe, not everything, but a variation of my family recipe by just emailing us at foodformsandchefs at yahoo.com, and I will respond to that and send you a recipe for making boilo. 
it's really simple. It's fairly inexpensive. The honey is the most expensive thing you're going to buy. A few cinnamon sticks, some oranges, some lemons, and probably spices that you already have in your baking um, cabinet at home for that. But you will be left with an absolute fabulous memory. Um, you know, I have friends now all over the country who come Christmas time, am I getting my Boilo? Are you sending me my Boilo? So for all those people out there, let them know it's all going out in the mail next week. Uh, everything is getting shipped out. So I just actually finished uh, making about three gallons of it, and we're going to be making another batch soon. Is that correct, Amaris? Yes, that is. That is correct. We're, you we're can be making a batch. Stay tuned for, uh, for Gene and I making a batch for, for you online. So we're going to do a little YouTube video and show some of the, the ways of that. And then, uh, you know, depending on, on how much we consume, it might even get a little bit better beyond that. So Now, before, but, before we uh, finish up this segment, what would you recommend pairing food-wise with, with Abuelo? So Boilo is, is fabulous. I, it's a great item with seven-fish dinner. Oh, okay. It's an absolute fabulous toast with seven-fish dinner. We did, in growing up, we did a variation of that. We did a, a Lithuanian dinner. So it, it was a meatless dinner with smelts and haddock, and it was done to signify um, some of the sacrifices you make. So it was there was no salt, pepper, butter used in the making of the dinner. It was boiled potatoes. It was cold sauerkraut. It was the, Lithu the Lithuanian dinner that they um, serve. It's called kuchi. That's a fabulous dinner to go with it. But also a beautiful, you know, pork loin, a beautiful pork roast, because you have such great honey and cinnamon. And those, those great strong flavors going on in there. And then when you add in the caraway and the allspice, so it's going to hold up to any meat that you put out there. It's going to hold up to a great spaghetti sauce. You know, it's going to hold up to any strong flavors out there. So you can go from the seven fish to the Lithuanian kachias uh, dinner, and you can you know take it to anything you're doing on Christmas Eve for your family and friends. Now, you might curse me for saying this because, I mean, it is, it is definitely a time-consuming. It sounds like it's time-consuming to make it, um, but it's almost too delicious to try to, like, do anything with it other than drink it straight. Um, I, I would say that Buelo tastes like something that I would love to cook with, like a banana bread or some, like, put it into an apple crisp to, like, punch it up a notch. Um, you know, I, I'm, again, you might yell at me because I'd be wasting alcohol by, you know, cooking it off, but it has such a delicious taste that I could see it like being a good accompanying accompaniment to, a you know, a, like a banana bread or a, a, the apple crisp or, you know, I know you said don't add peaches into making the buelo, but like even doing like a, a something with peaches in that. So a couple things that I've actually used it for before. I've done a variation of Bananas Foster with it. Certainly creates a great flame. And I watched many a teapot break and didn't need to get the fire extinguisher out on Christmas Eve. <laughs> so it is very flammable. Um, 
you know, one of the, the running jokes for Boyle, so everybody knows, is that when you go in and you're buying the four queens, and obviously behind the liquor store counter, the guy who knows what you're going to be making says, why else are you buying four queens? And they'll always say, you're making Boyle? Be careful you don't blow yourself up. <laughs> but, you know, so Bananas Foster, use it like you would for a rum cake as well. Just simply take that and pour it over top of, you know, a bunt cake or a different type of cake that you might be using to make a rum cake makes an absolutely fabulous dessert added in that way. It, it really is, uh, you know, anything, it, it makes a great accompaniment to certain sauces. You know, you, instead of a chicken marcella, instead of using a little bit of marcella wine, you could add in that caraway and that honey and that allspice and, and cloves to it and saute it a little bit with that works really well too. Though I'm going to suggest you just drink it straight and enjoy it that way. Exactly. So the other Jean... big thing about it is keep it for the summer. When you get a summertime cold, have a glass of that, drink it warm, get under the covers. The next day you'll never know you were sick. Nice. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Gene, for, for letting our listeners know about that. And they can look forward to us creating a boilo together. <laughs> Absolutely. Look forward to it. Thanks, Chef. Let's take a break, and we'll be right back. Tune in to Dining on a Dime to hear from Gene Blum, our chef, educator, consultant, and historian. You can find him across social media at ibfoodie2 or Gene Blum at ibfoodie2 at yahoo.com. And you can also tune in to listen to Amaris Pollock and find her across social media at arpollockus at gmail.com. And we're back. Amaris Pollock, introduce us to your fabulous guest. Hey, everyone. I want to introduce you to Peter Disson, who owns Pinefish, which is in Washington Square in Philadelphia off of 12th and Pine. Peter, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much. How are you? I'm good. And uh, how are you? Fine. You know, recovering from Thanksgiving <laughs> and... Uh, getting ready for this coming week. Exactly. And, you know, you have some exciting news over at Pinefish, but why don't you tell our listeners, you know, how did you get started in the culinary world? Well, my family has uh, been in the restaurant business since, I think, the late 40s. And my uncle had a famous restaurant in the late 40s, early 50s called the Harvey House. And that was right, I guess, where the parking lot is today or the the club sporting club um that's where the restaurant was it was right next to the uh, bellevue strasburg and then um my dad uh learned the restaurant business from my uncle and uh opened a, a small restaurant in camden you know, which is a county seat and you know all the doctors the lawyers the judges were there and uh just expanded that and you know when i was a kid i just loved going into the restaurant with all the stainless steel and all the equipment and the pumps for the soda syrup. So I just, I love that. And um, so it was an exciting time and I always wanted to be in the restaurant business. Now you took your love for the restaurant business and your history, your family's history, and you not only earned your marks by, you know, working as a busboy in your father's restaurant, but you also went over to France and studied, 
you know, in in one of the most famous like schools that you could ever, you know, study in. So what what was that experience for you? Well, first of all, living in Paris is, uh, you know, is the most amazing, amazing experience. And uh, and being with all people that were foodies and into cooking. So all the students, you know, we became friendly and we would cook every day. We would learn and then we would go home and we would cook. And uh, actually, Julia Child was there one day. Oh, wow. Big, big woman. And uh, and uh, it was an amazing experience. And and the way they did it was they basically uh, did an appetizer, an entree, and a dessert every day. And, uh, and then w- within that, you're learning your basic sauces and your basic techniques. So it was, it was just a great, fabulous experience. I mean, it, I'm sure it was, especially <laughs> like with somebody as famous as Julia Child. Like, is it true, though, that does, did she actually cook with butter as much as she taught that le- they talk about how much she used butter in her dishes? Of course. <laughs> no, I know that there has to be butter, but I mean, I, like she's famous for having used a lot of butter and a, a lot, lot of, of butter yeah there's tons of butter but you know you can you know just uh, you can you can thicken your you know we do it at pine fish you know we 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 throw a, a chunk of butter in at the end to just thicken the sauce and to uh, emulsify it a little bit um, even though there may be no other butter that's in the dish <laughs> so we use butter that way. I think I think in in this day and age, you know, we we don't use as much butter, but um, but you know, we still use. I know the restaurant goes through, you know, forty or fifty pounds a week. Oh wow! Now you um at, in back in two thousand sixteen, you opened up Pinefish. What you know inspired you to? open up Pinefish and, you know, in particular, like, open up a seafood-based restaurant? Well, actually, uh, when the Phillies were playing great baseball, I used to go with one of my buddies to the games, and afterwards, we would go to to Dimitri's, usually uh, the one over around 23rd and Pine, Fittler Square. And that was just such a, you know, it was reasonably priced. It was great seafood, and it was fairly simple stuff. Sometimes, you know, less is more, especially the seafood. And um, then uh, I got the, I saw the location, the Twelfth and Pine location, and I worked out a deal, and I really didn't know what to do. And it, I said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do my take on Dimitri's, and that's really what this is. That's what that's what Pinefish well started as. Yeah. Now I know that you, you know I've been to Pinefish before. I've actually been to your brunch in particular, um, and you have a fabulous bl- brunch. Um, you know, I and I love I love that you have the um, the the all you can, I think it's all you can eat like pancakes, but then uh, friends with Benedicts. <laughs> Which is yes, yeah. <laughs> such a cute like play off of a uh, eggs Benedict. Um, yes. So wh- I, I got to tell you one thing. I got to tell you one thing. There are more people that stop and take a picture of that window where we have that 
painted on the window, Friends with Benedict. I mean, every day, 10 or 15 people stop just to take a picture in front of it. I, I mean, just love this. Yeah, it's a cute play on words. Yes. <laughs> Spectacular. Now, and then, you know, we specialize in all those uh, eggs Benedict, and uh, a lot of them are seafood. So soft shells in season and scallops and um, lobster, I think, is is one of the most popular. Crab cake, Benedict, all those are different uh, seafood style Benedicts. Yeah. Now, I feel like I don't see crab cake Benedict very often at any restaurant. So that, I think, is, you know, a distinguished menu item um i know that other other places do have seafood with uh eggs benedict but you definitely take it to a whole nother level with every item you know pretty much with your eggs benedict you know you can well well at this point at this point in what's happening in in our world you know crab cake benedict is because of the price of crab meat is out is through the roof so it actually came down this week. It, uh, I didn't look today. I just got my price list today, so I don't know if it came down again. But um, fifty-two dollars. It's, it's still extraordinarily high. <laughs> fifty-two. I, I used to spend twenty dollars for a jumbo lump, and now I'm fifty-two. But the uh, the time before that it was uh, fifty-five, and then before that it was sixty-five, and then I did see it for seventy-six. So I mean, really. We have a regular crab cake on the menu. It's all jumbo lump. If I really price it the way I should price it, the way we price everything in the restaurant, it should be $100 for two crab cakes because the price of crab meat is so outrageous. But yeah. I can't do that. Nobody would buy it. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So we just basically giving it away. You know what I mean? It's expensive, but we're not making any money on it. Mm. Now, crab meat at this point. I love seafood, and I know you know Gene. Gene, you love seafood too. Gene's the one that you heard um who who he's a chef as well, so he he knows the pricing and and you know rules and regulations that you have to face as well. Um, I love seafood, and you have a new item on your menu list that I mean is to die for. Why don't you tell our listeners about the ocean? So the ocean is a huge bowl. The actual bowl probably weighs five pounds, just the just the ceramic part of it. But <laughs> within that bowl, and it's it's for two. You can get it for one, but for two, you get a pound and a half of Dungeness crabs, a pound and a half of snow crabs, a pound of clams pound of mussels and um, and then you get two ears of corn and that's around $65 a person and then if you wanted to upgrade you could get a uh, a leg of king crab meat which is very expensive but um, also very delicious so and then it comes with a garlic butter sauce or uh, you could get a Cajun butter, you, could, you know, we, we, we can flavor it uh, with uh, crab seasoning also. I mean, I would definitely get it with the uh, garlic and butter because you can't go wrong with garlic and butter. Unless if you're somebody who, you know, is afraid of, of you know, having bad breath. 
but I I honestly like if you're going in and having and sharing this uh this huge bowl with somebody which I would highly recommend because that is a lot of food um you know you're both going to be consuming that so it's you know who cares have some garlic that's and right. butter <laughs> that's exactly right so you know if you're eating garlic and butter hopefully your significant other is also <laughs> exactly. but, but you know what we do we do we do put a little wine in there so we kind of cut it a little bit so it's not so much butter you know so it's really a garlic wine butter thing I mean, that's not bad either. That's almost like scampi. So, and oh, it's exactly. yeah, <laughs> which is absolutely delicious. And if you are, yeah, yeah if you love pour it on you, pour it on you. Yeah, exactly. Pour it, like I would just drink it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's how much I love scampi sauce. Um, yeah. Now you you and I talked about prior to uh, this prior to you coming on, we had talked about how you know you take rigorous steps to make sure that everything that you do you know comes out like juicy. Like you do something that I mean, it's becoming more of a trend in restaurants, but you know it's still not quite there where everyone does it, which is you sous vide. Um, you know, you lock in that, that freshness, you lock in the ingredients and, you know, and cook, you know, boil it in water and it comes out so juicy. I cannot wait to try your food. Well, we do some sous vide and, um, we used to have steak on the menu, but we couldn't, we can't get the quality we wanted back at, at a reasonable price. So we would sous vide our steak, uh, we did octopus and we've taken that off the menu that's coming back but that was sous vide overnight and um you know we actually sous vide our eggs so for our eggs benedict and um and you know uh, i gotta tell you i sous vide my turkey for thanksgiving did you so you know i sous vide by the white meat it comes out juicy as can be and then i confit and duck fat, my dark meat, and um, and then that comes out luscious. So uh, yeah, sous vide is an amazing uh, technique. And uh, Jean Marie Lacroix used to come in. His wife was very friendly with our manager. He was just a former chef at Lacroix and at the um, the Hotel the Four Seasons. And he told me a story. He said Peter sous vide was really developed because the uh, apprentice chefs that were coming up in France couldn't cook. And they, <laughs> you know, and they, <laughs> they just, you know, they weren't ready yet. You know, you just don't, don't get into this and you're, and you're spectacular. You know, it's practice, practice, practice. And um, he said that, yeah, that's, that's what happens. And, you know, he said we, they developed it so that uh, there would be no variation in cooking. It really takes the chef out of the cook hmm. you know time time to feed you know it it's it's a, cooking is about internal temperature a lot and so if you are transferring the heat through through a water bath or through uh, a pan you know it's basically raising your your internal temperature uh, uh to get it to wherever you want to be medium medium rare whatever great technique I've never, I've personally never done that. I'm sure though that Jean has, 
it is a wonderful technique and it is revolutionizing the catering world especially, but as well as restaurants. You know, being able to... Dean, I got to tell you that the first time I was at the opening of the Philadelphia Orchestra one year, years ago, six, seven years ago, and and I think Garces was, you know, he had the contract there, and they had a striped bass with a pesto and uh, some kind of thing, con- tomato concoct, um, if I can remember correctly, and the fish came out. It was so beautiful. It was perfectly cooked for 600 people. And there was a lady standing behind me with a clipboard, and I said, what did you do? How did you get this so perfect? I said, did you steam it? She said, no, we sous vide it. So we have eight or ten sous vide machines upstairs, and this was all done yesterday, and we just rewarm it. And that was really open. That's what opened my eyes to it, and I thought it was a spectacular technique. It really has taking the, and I want to say the catering industry because it's really where it's impacted the most, but restaurants as well, being able to, you know, prep a product and bring it to, you know, perfect serving the following day, just using a a water bath. And, you know, it's really, while people get real confused about it and and they're worried that, oh, it's so science-based, this or this, it's a really simple process once you get into it. Yeah, and for two, I, I happen to look up, uh, you know, we have professional immersive circulators. That's the machine that you use. But, you know, I was looking up, uh, you know, what the, the circulators cost for the home, and they're $199. So, I mean, you know, it's amazing that you can cook for your family two days in advance. And when you get home, you just plop it into the water bath. And in 30 minutes, it's ready. You don't have to do anything. Right. I think, Peter, what we need to do is go into the business selling <laughs> sous vide products. And then people exactly. who have them home circulators, they can buy your fabulous food and bring it up to perfect temperature oh. days later. Oh, that's a well, brilliant that, idea. That is a great idea. Oh, my God. You know, you see. I'll uh, send you my bill later. <laughs> okay, you see the coffee, you see uh, Starbucks does the sous vide eggs. Yep. Starbucks so, does? Yeah, Starbucks has a sous vide eggs. Huh. Sous vide egg sandwich, sous vide something. It's I... definitely a sous vide egg. Yeah. I didn't know that. Now, plug also, plug you know, to Starbucks, are... but. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, it's, uh, I had it once, it was pretty good. I, I don't know what machine they use to reheat it or how it works, but, you know, I know that they have it. Well, getting back to your restaurant, um, you do a whole a whole fish. We do Bronzino. It's, you know, it's all Mediterranean. It's a Mediterranean sea bass, basically. And, uh, you know, I think they farm them because they're all around 480 grams, about a pound and a quarter, 500 grams, something like that. And, uh, you know, fresh and, you know, we, we've experimented with different sauces, uh, you know, a lemon sauce. And right now I think we're doing chimichurri. 
And uh, one of our most popular dish with a, with the bone in the head and the tail. So if you know whatever you eat, if you're cooking it on the bone, it's always better. That goes for fish, for meat, for chicken, for anything. <laughs> always on the bone is better. Not that you can see me, but I mean I'm over here nodding my head. Yes. <laughs> Because <laughs> it infuses it with more flavor, it keeps it juicier. Um, it's definitely bone in is always better. Yeah, and we we have one dish on our. It's not even on the menu. Um, it's a special, and um, it's a swordfish chop. It comes from let's call it the neck of the swordfish around the neck, and uh, they leave one of the bones, one of the bigger bones in, and the and the dish actually looks like a huge pork chop <laughs> with the bone in. I mean, it's it's fairly expensive. It's a lot of fish. And, um, well, I mean, they used to serve it at the Palm, and our chef worked at the Palm for 15 years. Oh, wow. Uh, so so we have a lot of Palm, palm recipes we do and palm, palm techniques. And that's one of them, and that is special. I don't know anybody else who's serving in Philadelphia. Expensive, but I would say 90% of the people say the best piece of fish you ever eat. I was going to say, but probably worth it. Yeah, and swordfish sometimes is dry, but because it has the bone in, it's so thick that it's just succulent. I'm sure it is. Now, you also have something on your menu that, I mean, it's minor comparatively, like, with all the seafood that you have, because I do love my 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 seafood, um, but I am a huge fan of mac and cheese. So not only do you have just a plain mac and cheese, but you have the lobster mac and cheese, which, you know, just adds a, a, an extra oomph to uh, something that's already delicious, makes it 10 times better. Not only do we put the lobster meat in the in the cheesy sauce, um, but we put a we put a lobster tail, four ounce lobster tail on top of it, so you get a whole lobster tail, and the mac and cheese with the lobster in it. That so is and yes, so good. You gotta try that. <laughs> I definitely have to try that. I know uh, both Gene and I were trying to make it. We were trying to figure out his schedule versus my schedule and make it over the weekend um, to try the the um, the ocean, but um, but we weren't able to line up our schedules. And so I'm like, hmm, maybe I'll just go on my own and have a really big takeout bag, or like have you like put it <laughs> put it in a sous vide bag for me, and then I'll go home and do a water bath. <laughs> Well, come down anytime you want. Just give me a ring, and uh, you know I'd love to take care of you <laughs> and uh, hang out a little bit and talk to you. Because you know we had fun talking. We did, um, and we can hang out anytime. Also, speaking of hanging out, one of um, one of the things that I found out is a very infamous um, mixologist from uh, the what was it <clears throat> from? Uh, thing. Yes, exactly. Hop Sing Laundromat um, has started making cocktails for you. Well, you know, in my history, um, I previous to this restaurant, I actually started as a consultant at 500 Degrees for Rouge, for Rob Wasserman. 
and uh, he wanted me to help him straighten out that unit. And I wound up spending there four and a half years there. And um, so I read in the uh, in one of the papers, uh, Michael Klein, something like I think it was his column that Wasserman uh, contracted Lee from Hopsing Laundromat and uh, to develop some drinks. And I thought that was a spectacular idea. So I, I, I met him one day in the back of the uh, liquor store and, um, and, uh, and started talking to him. And uh, I did the same. It actually changed my business where I used to sell tons of wine. And now I'm doing these craft cocktails, all measured exactly. And the one thing about Lee is, you know, he there's you never taste alcohol in his craft drinks. There was you cannot taste alcohol, and there's always one and a half, two ounces of alcohol in every drink. But they are look when we when he was testing the drinks at the restaurant at Pinefish, he tasted the lemon to see how tart it was, so he had to know how much syrup to put in there. So it was. For him, it's so exact. He, he's a master. He's amazing. That guy is an amazing, amazing talent. Hmm. I mean, we... And, and you can enjoy those drinks at, uh, at Pinefish. We, we have three or four on the menu at all times. Now, are they on your your happy hour list as well? No, they are not on the happy hour list. They are on our regular list. Okay. Um, the happy hour we do, you know, we're serving uh, French white rosé and red, what's called Cote Moss, which is an excellent wine for happy hour. And we're doing, you know, oysters. So uh, we used to be known pre-pandemic for our happy hour. It hasn't come back uh, totally, but it's starting to come back. And um yeah, you know, so we try to get three or four different oysters, dollar oysters, dollar clams, dollar fifty shrimp. You know, they're fairly large, sixteen to a pound, sixteen to twenty, and uh, and then five or six different little dishes that you can have that are under ten dollars. Yeah, I could see that. Like you have uh, fried cauliflower, you have Brussels sprouts. Um... Bang Bang Shrimp, which is always popular with people. <laughs> Duck yeah. Fat Fries, which, I mean, come on now. You can't, you can't get more, more delicious than Duck Fat Fries. <laughs> I am a Duck Fat fanatic. I love Duck Fat. <laughs> I, always, I always have seven, seven to ten pounds in my freezer at home. Oh, wow. So I cook, I cook with it. Well, I, you know, if I make the turkey, like I told you the other day, I need... I need five pounds of duck fat, you know, so I could buy it wholesale. You buy it at the store, it's very expensive. <laughs> so, well, but uh, delicious. Exactly. It's absolutely delicious, especially when you add fat into any dish. Um, it gives it so much more flavor. Now, um, for anybody who is looking to try out the ocean to have a great date night, or to just hang out with friends and have some cocktails and some great food, where can they find you online and um, in person? Well, online, they can find us at um, 
pinefish.fish. So <laughs> that's uh, that's our our website. And uh, in person, I'm me personally. I'm there. <laughs> so I'm I'm there. You know, I just uh, I'm there every day. I no. told you I have nothing else to do. So <laughs> now, are I got, you I gotta gotta hang out? Exactly. Now, um, I'm gonna just plug for a second. I think you said that you were also looking for, you know, staff. So, if anybody is out there looking to work in the restaurant business, I believe that Peter is hiring for Pinefish. We are hiring, and it's been so difficult. So we're closed Monday and Tuesday because we don't have servers. And we don't have a bartender, so we we're working on that, and um, you know we want to get get those two days back. My dad always said, "Hey, if you're paying rent, you should be open." So um, <laughs> I always live by that. And um, um, you know the the pandemic has changed. I don't know. It's changed. I don't know if it's changed my drive, or it's just changed the way I think. But it's it's uh i don't it's it's hard for me to uh to you know i i say to myself should i actually be working seven days a week you know i mean i just i'm, I'm doing this pandemic thing which which has changed my whole attitude so but anyhow i'm there every day every single day all right well peter i look forward to seeing you at pinefish and thank you for joining us on food farms and chefs Thank well, you, thank Peter. You. Peter it, was great, it. it was a great pleasure. We'll be down to talk about sous vide. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's do it. Thank you, Peter. Thanks a lot. Okay, bye. PhillyRestaurantReviews.com for all information about the show. Amherst Pollock. You can find me online at ARPollockus, or you can email me directly if you'd like to be a guest on the show or sponsor at ARPollockus at gmail.com. Chef Gene. You can find me across social media at ibfoodie2 or at gblum, or you can email me directly with any questions or a boilo recipe. You can contact me at ibfoodie, the number two, at yahoo.com. That's ibfoodie2 at yahoo.com. Have a great Tuesday, everyone. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. And happy Hanukkah.